I am excited about today's uh, uh, launching off the series. It's only four weeks. The book is only four chapters. We're going to cover a chapter each week. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. So turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. So we're beginning this new series, right? Uh, through uh, the, the, the book of Jonah. We're calling this series The Gospel According to Jonah. Now that's not the official name of the book, much like uh, the gospel according to John or the gospel according to Mark. But why, why would I say that? Well, we're actually going to discover that we can read the book itself with a gospel-centric lens. In other words, we're going to look through the book, each chapter, all four chapters, with a particular lens. And what I mean by that, we're going to be, we have the gospel and an understanding of the gospel. And with that in mind, we should be able to read it in a particular way. Now, Jesus makes a comparison of himself with Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. So before we jump into Jonah chapter 1, there's a few passages that I want us to look at and to consider. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 40. But he, that's Jesus, answered and said to them, he's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Now, there are some people who are going to suggest this. They're going to say, you can't preach through Jonah and make it about Jesus. And they would say it this way, you can't preach Jesus if Jesus isn't there. What they mean is that you can't preach Jesus if the name of Jesus is not mentioned in the passage. However, the problem is that Jesus gives us permission. Jesus is actually telling us to read it that way. Jesus is, is making that point. Jesus is the one who brought up the prophet Jonah. He's the one that compared himself and said, Behold, one who is greater than Jonah is here. So, how, how should we think of that? Well, Jesus gave us permission. Uh, when we see Jesus do this again, we're going to see it. Uh, he's going to tell us, uh, he's going to tell those on the road to Emmaus. He's going to say, uh, this is Luke chapter 24, verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, that's Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What was he talking about there with the scriptures? He's talking about the Old Testament, right? So he is saying, when we read the Old Testament, we should be looking for Jesus. So we're not, here's what I'm going to make sure that, that, that we're on the same page with. We're not imposing Jesus onto the book of Jonah. We are instead being instructed by Jesus himself that this is the proper way to understand scriptures. Jesus has said this repeatedly. We see it throughout the New Testament that he said the scriptures are those that help us to understand who he, who he is. So this is how we're to understand the book of Jonah. If we read the scriptures and they do not point us to Christ and his gospel, then we need to read it again. And we need to go back and look at it again because we simply have overlooked its entire purpose. Its purpose is to point us to Jesus. So we would need it to, uh, to read it again because we clearly would have missed something. 
Now, before we jump into our focal text, let me give you a little bit of historical background, and let's consider some of that. So for those who may have been taught that uh, Jonah is allegory, or, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a parable, or a fictional character, uh, or this is nothing more than a fish story, pun intended. Um, you know, you think about those things, and you know, people suggest that, right? In fact, it's often presented as, you know, it's a, it's a nice children's story. It's a, it's a nice little children's Bible story. But it's presented oftentimes as nothing more than allegory or parable. But let me, let me, let me, let me caution you of thinking of it that way, and here's why. Well, first of all, uh, the, the genre of what we might call, the, call historical fiction, it didn't exist at the time. What do I mean by that? What is historical fiction? Well, parables, a parable typically doesn't use the, name of real, the names of real people. When you have a parable during this time period, they would sound more like this. A certain man went on a journey. That's a, par- that's, a, that's a good indication that it's a parable. Why? Because there's no specific name given, and it's just like, here's a little story for you. Here's a, I'm going to make a biblical truth by sharing a story with you. Jesus did this a lot, and it was parables. But when a specific name is given, then it's given us more detail, and it's not really historical fiction. Now, what is historical fiction? You've seen... Um, if you've seen the movie, I know it's old at this point, but the movie Titanic. Titanic is a good example of historical fiction. What did they do? They took a historical event that took place on a real boat, in real time, on a real ocean, a real event, a real catastrophic event, that real people were there. They even included real names, the real name of the captain, the real names of all these different things within the movie Titanic. But what did they do? It was historical fiction. They, took a, they placed a fictional story in the middle of something that historically happened. So when you, it, it can become confusing because when you're, when you're watching the movie, you know, this is not a, this is not a documentary. You know, this is, this is a fictional story. Well, that is not what, what is happening in the book of Jonah. In fact, in the book of Jonah, we're given his name and we're given his father's name. You know, he's the son. Of, if, if it's a parable, you would never do that. You would never, you would never say, hey, this is, this is Jonah, the prophet, the son of this man. That is clue number one. We're not talking about a parable. We also have to remember in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, identifies Jonah as a real person. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath uh, to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath. And there we have it. So again, this is 2 Kings chapter 14 telling us that who? This Jonah guy is a real guy. In fact, he was a prophet, Jewish prophet, who ministered in the northern kingdom of Israel, and it would have been during the time of Jeroboam II. And let's not forget what we just read in Matthew, that Jesus himself acknowledged Jonah as a real historical person. Jesus himself said that he is a real historical person who did what? Who preached to the people of Nineveh. Now, Jonah was also contemporaries 
with Hosea and Amos. They've written uh, books in the Bible as well. So it was time, during, during this time of Amos and, and Hosea and Jonah, it was a time when the nation of Israel was really strong. But they were morally corrupt. They were morally corrupt. They were wicked. And they found uh, the wickedness that was found among them uh, was not just a few people. It was, it was the rulers. It was the priests. It was all the people of the nation. They suffered from idolatry. They were, idolatry is not just worship like of, of, of little objects. It is, it is worshiping anything in place of God. It is putting something else in God's rightful place of worship. Now they would tell you with their lips that they worshiped the one true living God. And they would tell you with their lips that their, their focus was on God. But they had become so inwardly focused as a people that they thought that God didn't care about other nations. That God didn't care about anyone except for the nation of Israel. And we will see that God explains uh, that he desires to bless Israel so that they will be a blessing to Gentile nations. We see it in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Well, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, from the very beginning, God had a, had a plan, a master plan. And it wasn't just to focus on, on the nation of Israel and care only about them. It was through the nation of Israel, he wants everyone to be blessed. But the nation of Israel became so inward focused that they lost sight of that. So while Hosea and Amos are going to be called by God to address the moral decay of the people of Israel, God calls Jonah, this prophet, to address the moral decay of the people of Nineveh. Now what is Nineveh? Nineveh is a Gentile city. How fascinating is that? Nineveh is a Gentile city. Nineveh is a place where this is not, this is not Israel, this is not, this is not Hebrew people, this is not descendants you know, of, 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 of Abraham. These are Gentiles. And Nineveh is the leading city of Assyria. It's the capital city of Assyria.